Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. And today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, guys. Right? You know, Father's Day and Mother's Day is a little bit different. Do you know that Father's Day was started because a lady who was a mom said, hey, it's not fair that fathers don't have a day too because Mother's Day is like, and, and Father's Day is kind of like, womp, womp, womp sometimes, right? But we celebrate you dads. We honor you dads this morning for being here today. And um, for all of us that, you know, have great relationships with our dads and things like that, it's such a good thing. Like Katie said earlier, Father's Day is kind of hard too. You know, not everybody's had a great parental experience and, and can go back and, and, and think about different lo- times in their lives. One thing we can be thankful for on Father's Day especially is our Heavenly Father who will never leave us, never forsake us, never let us down. He's our Jehovah Jireh provider. He loves all of us, and he gave us his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so we can have a relationship with him. And we're so thankful for that today. And maybe you can also be thankful for a father figure that's in your life today. And maybe send that person a text and say, thanks for your influence. Thank you for who you are in our lives. Uh, We had some folks reach out to us this morning with some very kind words Uh, from different places that we've served, and it was such a blessing uh, to hear from them today and also from you as well, and we're just really, really thankful for our church and who you are. I also want to welcome my sweet, sweet friend, Melissa Tucker, who is part of the Engage Ministry team, Uh, who's going to be running camp this week. She works at Boyce College. She is department chair of the education department, and please forgive me, it's Dr. Melissa Tucker. It's not just Melissa Tucker, so welcome, Melissa, to our service. We're glad you're here. She went to uh, Africa with us and learned about Warehouse, the real under, undercurrent of Warehouse Church from Adriano and Kathy. So, and she still came to church today. So that's really, we're thankful for that as well. Hey, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'm going to be reading out of Isaiah chapter 61. And I'm going to give you just, I want to give you some Father's Day encouragement Um, And I want to tell you something, too, as we get into this message today. This is our last live online service that we're doing, okay? Now, we are moving our online church experience in two weeks to 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings. And there's a lot of reasons we're doing that, and we'll talk to you about that uh, at a time that's more appropriate. But in two weeks, next week, we're not going to be live online. We want to kind of have a family moment next week that's going to be just here for our Uh, our church family that we're not going to have online. But two weeks from today, starting at 6 o'clock, we're going to have our our service. It's going to be on our church website. Um, And it's going to work out much better for us to do it this way. And uh, we hope that you'll check us out online. And when you invite your friends to church, tell them to check out our services online at warehousechurch.com. And they'll be able to find our service, a taste of our worship, and some things like that. And it'll really help them understand who our church is. So today, Father's Day, I don't know if you all have any big plans today. Our plans for Father's Day are, I get to buy my family lunch today on Father's Day. That's how we're celebrating me today for my father, for my Father's Day. But, uh, you know, this is my first Father's Day this year without my dad. My dad passed away this year, and I was certainly thankful for him. I just see, I felt like I was kind of, you know, because it's Father's Day, everywhere I turned in my house, 
and, and in my office, I saw a picture of him today, and I just, you know, thank the Lord for his great, great influence on my life. But, you know, there's kind of this perception with Father's Day, right, that all dads are great dads, right? Where it's Father's Day, uh, we're celebrating our fathers. So, like, every dad in this room is an absolute perfect dad, amen? Right? And we're not perfect. And our fan, in spite of who we are, right, in spite of our imperfections, our families still celebrate us today. And we're very, very thankful for that today. But there is this perception, right, of what does a perfect dad look like? And we would kind of take that perfect dad uh, perception going all the way back years and years, maybe to a show called My Three Sons, right? Now, we're, we're talking old school, old school TV now. Uh, or maybe a really good dad, like the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. He was just a class, class act, that, the guy on that show. Uh, you know, even the Cosby show. On that show, you know, he was known as America's dad, you know. And I know a lot of yucky stuff has happened in his personal life. But on that show, he was kind of seen as America's dad. So what, what is the perfect dad, right? What is the dad that emulates the things that, are, that fathers are supposed to have. And maybe if we were all to share some qualities of what we think a good father would be like, uh, in the moment, caring, um, took time to mentor us. I can't tell you how many times that we've either done premarital counseling or I've done counseling with some young men, and they've said to me, well, my father never taught me that. Or my father never discussed those things with me. Or I never learned that, right? And we, we think about this mentoring relationship that a father is supposed to have. And the, the, the truth of the matter is that that perfect father figure, that's children desire that from their father. You know, as much as our kids, maybe we feel like push back sometimes and really don't respond to our leadership the way that they should. Listen, strong kids want strong parents, believe it or not. And they want good examples in their lives. Ladies... You want your fathers to be, your fa not only your fathers to be like this, but you want your husbands to be strong fathers for your kids as well. You don't want them to be pushovers and, and, and not be the spiritual leader that God's called them to be. And guys, here's the thing. Not only do we need spiritual mentorship in our lives, but God's called us to be spiritual fathers as well uh, to our kids. I love that that we have kids that are learning today. Tonight we have our youth group that's going to happen back here behind me in our youth room, and, 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 and we really do, and we're going to work so hard this year. One of our big endeavors this year is to really juice up and, and, and kind of put our children's ministry on steroids, if you will. And we've been planning a lot about that. We had a big meeting about that this week, continued things that we're going to do throughout the summer to try to beef that up. And I love that, that this church cares about kids through camp and through our children's ministry and through VBS later on the summer that Ryan's going to tell you about. But I know this for sure. It's not the church's sole responsibility to raise your kids to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, we're going to do that. But what we're doing is, hopefully, is backing up everything you're saying at home. We're kind of the second level or the second round of spiritual influence that's supposed to take place in your kid's life. Dads, it's supposed to come from us. And man, what a responsibility. i got to be honest with you, sometimes it's hard to share a Father's Day message with my kids in the room, because I can tell you this, my kids could tell you all of my imperfections. Thanks, Dave. I mean, I mean, really, seriously? No. But I mean, it's the truth, right? They know where, where I fail. They know where I'm not as strong, or they know some of the mistakes that I've made in my life. And the, the thing is, guys and, and ladies, 
we do have spiritual male uh, figures in our lives, but guys, specifically, if your dad's, God's called you to be the spiritual leader in your home. Now, I'm going to read you a passage of scripture out of Isaiah. This really isn't necessarily a passage that we would read that's specifically intended for Father's Day, but we're going to pull some stuff out of here today as we talk about some words that describe successful fatherhood. Okay, Isaiah chapter 61 in verses 1 through 3, this is also a verse that Jesus quoted in the New Testament. He said this, the Bible says this in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty from ashes, the oil of joy from mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So again, I'm going to give you some words today that describe strong, successful spiritual fatherhood. And the first word I want to submit to you is this, is responsibility. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible teaches us that the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. In verse number 4 in chapter 6 it says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Guys, we have a responsibility to raise our kids to find and follow Jesus. And not just to tell them about it, right? We have to live that out in front of them. Uh, sometimes our kids see the hypocrisy of our lives, right? And, and that's, that's, that's just life. And I could, I could think of specific moments where my kids recognized some hypocritical things that were in my life. I remember my oldest daughter, Christina, who now lives in Cape Cod. When she was little, I turned around and she was kind of bouncing around the back seat a little bit. I said, Christina, put your seatbelt on. That's not safe. And boy, she just, it was back in the good old days when the seatbelt dinger didn't ding when your seatbelt was off. You remember those great days, right? So my seatbelt wasn't on. And I said to Christina, your seatbelt's not on. Put your seatbelt on. That's not safe. She said, Dad, but you're not wearing a seatbelt. And I'm like, well, I don't need one. I'm old enough to make that decision for myself. And, she's, and she said this to me like at five years old. That doesn't seem fair that you could tell us to do things that you don't have to do. Of course, my wife, an official licensed agent of the Holy Spirit, is sitting in the front seat next to me, and she just kind of looks at me, and she's like, hmm? You know, because she's all buckled in and everything, too. And at the time, it wasn't a law. Again, beautiful, beautiful time. I just loved it. But she was right. And I wish, I wish I could tell you that that's the only hypocrisy that I ever expose myself to our kids, right? And a lot of times we do this, do as I say, not as I do. Like, we'll tell them, you know, you got to do this, and man, you got to make sure this is in order in your life. And maybe that's not a value in your life that you're emulating. Listen, this is not a message for just the men in this room. This is for all of us. Like, God's called all of us to be responsible to practice responsible living. Think about this. God gave Adam and Eve responsibility in the Garden of Eden when God said to them in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree in the, of knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat of it because the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. Adam evaded his responsibility, right? God told them, don't eat 
of that one tree. <coughs> That's the only thing you can't do. He didn't tell them to wear clothes. It was clothing optional in the Garden of Eden. It was a great, great time. Uh, he didn't tell them, he didn't give them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the only commandment that existed in all of humanity at this time was, don't eat fruit from that tree. And you know what happened, right? But some of the things we kind of forget about that story, the serpent came to Eve and said, hey, did God say that if something's going to happen to you if you eat of this tree? Yeah, he said if we do it, or even if we touch it, right? And she kind of exaggerated a little bit. We're going to die. And, of course, Satan, speaking to Eve, causing Eve to doubt God's word. And this is all this focus we make on Eve, right? And her confrontation with the serpent. You're not going to die because God knows that in the day you eat of this tree, you're going to become gods like he is, right? And then the Bible says this specifically. Adam, who was with his wife, like if he would have taken his responsibility, he should have snatched that serpent or snake out of that tree, cracked his head, thrown it across the, the, the Garden of Eden and went, yeah, boy, nobody messes with my woman, right? That's what he should have done. Like he negated his responsibility and he partook of that. He was tempted along with his wife. And when she's, you know, the womanly look, you know, she kind of gave him that look. And he did something he wasn't supposed to do, and he negated his responsibility. So what did God do? Our Heavenly Father took our responsibility for sin, allowing his son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to pay for all of our sin. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, wherefore, as by or because of one man's sin, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, for all have sinned, the Bible tells us in Romans again, and fallen short of the glory of God. We have inherited something from our first father, Adam, our great, 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 gazillion times grandfather, that we have as part of our human nature, and that's sin. And we inherit that sin from our fathers, the Bible tells us. That's why Jesus Christ had to be born of a virgin, because he could not have a sinful nature like you and I were born with. But think about this. When God, he punished Satan, he punished, Satan, he punished the serpent. You're going to crawl on your belly the rest of your life. There was a punishment Eve had to have. There was a punishment Adam had to have. All those things took place, and then they sacrificed an animal to cover their sin, whereas Jesus Christ, when he was sacrificed, would take away the sins of the world. But I want you to think about this this morning. God took our responsibility for our sin, and listen, church, it cost him something. Now, dads and men, let me say this to you this morning. When you take responsibility for your family and you take responsibility for your wives and you take responsibility for your kids, you say, you know, and, and this is not like a real politically correct, the kind of language that we hear in our world today. I'm just going to tell you that right now. That's why this is a little bit of a courageous conversation. Because we're taught all about this equality with everything. And listen, I'm all about respect and honor. I think we should respect our wives and honor our wives and lift them up and give them opportunities I mean, you see with, with, our, with, our, with our band this morning, it was Tim and five chicks on our stage this morning doing our worship, you know. And we have, I believe in female leadership. I don't think there's anything wrong with having female leaders in our lives. Listen, I had somebody say to me before, I don't want a woman telling me what to do. And I said, well, what did you do when your mom spanked your butt, you know? We, God puts women in our lives at different times in our lives to have authority in our lives. I get that. And I know the church structure is a little bit different than that as well. But here's what I do understand. When we are responsible for something, it's going to cost us something. It is. 
You know, when, when Kim and I first got married, man, we were 18 years old. We had life by the tail. We did everything we wanted to do, right? We were 18. But somehow, bill collectors had a big stronghold on our lives. We had to pay our mortgage payment. We had to pay our electricity bill. We had to buy gas. Gas wasn't free. And we had all these responsibilities that did what? They cost us something. When you're raising kids, one of the things that happens invariably when you have a child and you have that moment where that child is born and you're like, man, this is so awesome. And, and then you realize how much sleep you guys aren't getting, right, EJ? And you realize that, that I can't put my needs before my kids' needs anymore. You know why? Because it costs you something. A good father understands that we have responsibility in our lives and responsibility comes with a price. Unfortunately, for a lot of people in our world, and maybe you're like that as well and may not have had a good paternal or fatherly example in your life, right? Where there was selfishness or broken relationships or whatever it is. It's amazing how, how God restores families and God gives grace to people that don't, that haven't necessarily had good father figures in their lives, you know, and teaches us how that we're supposed to be a good dad. And I don't know if anything's harder. I used to think that being a husband was hard uh, for the first four or five years of our marriage. And then God gave me a girl. And then God gave me a second daughter. And then God gave me a third daughter. And then we lost a baby, which was probably a boy. And then we had our fourth daughter. And, man, it was just like hormone, hurricane, crying, weeping, gnashing of teeth every single day. And I just remember talking to Kim. I said, people say being married's hard. Being a parent is hard. Like, how do you deal with all these emotions every day? How do you deal with this every day? And how do you deal with that? You know, and it is a challenge. And you know what? It costs you something. When I was taking my kids to the shoe store, lining them up to buy new sneakers, I couldn't buy a $120 pair of Jordans back then. You know, I had to make sure, you know what? These sneakers are going to last me a couple more months. I got this. We can do this. It's no big deal. Why? Because you're taking responsibility. And you know what? You know what we're told in our culture today? We're not told to own your responsibility. Here's what we're told. Know what your rights are. Like we embrace our rights more than we embrace our responsibilities. And we have to be so careful to do, we have to be careful, church, as men of women and of men of God to own the responsibilities that God has given us in our lives. There are absolute truths in the Bible of what you are and what you aren't supposed to be. What you are to do and what you're not to do. And, you know, we don't, you know, that's, we, we go up by all the stuff of choice and feelings and, and this and that. Listen, it's not an opinion that I'm sharing with you today. We're talking about the unchangeable truth of the Word of God. I have a responsibility to follow Jesus Christ. I have a responsibility to make sure my kids and my family are followers of Jesus Christ, so much so that I could say to them, could, and I tried to say this to them, like Paul said to Timothy in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, follow me as I'm following Christ. That's my responsibility. That's all of our responsibility to the younger generation. Number one is responsibility. Number two, God's called us to exude strength in our lives. Ephesians 6.10, it says, I love this. I saw this. I was so impressed with myself yesterday. We were going up the Dallas Tollway to have dinner last night in Frisco. 
And there was a beautiful pickup truck in front of us. Man, it had the big tires, and it was clean, and man, it was just a, it was a man's truck. And on the back, and you might know this person because I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this, and maybe I shouldn't be, but on their license plate, it said Ephesians uh, 610 on their license plate. And Kim said, do you know what that verse is? I said, yeah, it's finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And she was like, wow, she was so impressed with that. It's a verse that I had in my message this morning, but I kind of knew that verse as well. I kind of knew that verse as well. But th- this is what it's called. It's not about us being, it's not about us being the, you know, the, the, you know, the muscles of the house. And maybe there is something to that. Uh, when, when Kim and I were in high school together, we graduated from the same high school we were dating at the time. And our senior superlatives, my senior superlative was most likely to be the next hoagie maker in Philadelphia because of my father's store. Kim's senior superlative, if you ever come over my house, ask to see our high school yearbook, I will show this to you, most likely to be arrested for husband abuse. That's what her senior superlative was. Because my little five-foot-one wife, she's tough, man. She don't back down from a fight. She's a little bit more of a brawler than I am, and she could take care of business. Let me just tell you right now, okay? This is not necessarily talking about physical strength here in Ephesians chapter 6.10. Here's what it's talking about. We are called to be strong leaders to our, for our families, guys, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Our kids and people that we lead can't count on us if, if our heads aren't on right, if our heart isn't right with God, and if we're not the guys that we're supposed to be in our lives. And spiritual and emotional and mental health, boy, it's really easy to talk about it. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, can you gauge yourself on your strength in those areas today? God's called us to be strong. Here's something else God's called us to do, and this seems like it's almost the antithesis of the previous point. God's also called us to be humble. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this lifestyle be in you, or mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and became likeness of a man. And Jesus, being found in fashion of a man, the Bible says this, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So because of that, God exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? God's called us to be humble. What is humility? Humility teaches us to have power under restraint, right? Do you ever get yourself in an argument with your, with your spouse? Just say yes, because you have. Yeah, I've done that before. Maybe this morning on the way to church. I don't know. Did you ever find yourself fighting? To, you want to be right more than you want that argument to be settled the right way? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be right about this. It's, you know, brrr, we, we get, you know, we get kind of that. Do you ever find yourself in an argument with somebody in your life, and you stay mad at them for a little while, and then you kind of forget about what you were fighting about in the first place? You just know that it was your way and not their way, and, and it just, right? And you know what that teaches us? That we need to maybe understand humility. But here's the thing about humility, gentlemen, and ladies as well. God, men are called to be humble, meek, but we're also called to be teachable. How do we teach our kids to be teachable when we're not teachable ourselves? And teachable is such a, man, it is an, it's probably one of the most uh, underestimated of value of character qualities that we can have as believers in Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, 
I don't like people telling me where I'm wrong sometimes. Are you ever like that too? Or do you like people coming up to you and saying, hey, you know what? You know what I think would be good if you tried to do with your life? You need to do this. You know, and I don't want you to, I don't want you to, you know, I don't like that. I have some arrogance inside of me. I, I don't know about you, but I've got a little bit of a disobedient spirit inside of me. And I don't like people telling me when I'm wrong. Is anybody else like that this morning? You know, and, and here's the thing. Thank you for being doubly honest with us today, right? But here's the thing, church. God puts people in our lives, dads, moms, spiritual leadership, and when their motivation of helping you become the person that God's called you to be, and, and they're speaking to you in a way that's honorable. I mean, we don't want somebody just, you know, spitting stuff out at us all the time. Hey, you need to lose weight, and you need to do this, and you need to do that. I'm like, you know, I don't know if I agree with that. I had a friend tell me a couple years ago, visit our church. This is years ago in Philadelphia. And when he visited our church, I said to him, hey, I want you to tell me two good things that our church does really, really good. And I usually do this every time we have a guest speaker. Two good things that our church does really, really good, and one thing that you think we need to do to be better as a church. And man, he gave me like five things. Man, your church is good at this, and your church is good at this. And man, this is great, and this is great. And this. He says, Eddie, I'm going to tell you something. There's one thing I think you can do that will really help you grow your church. I'm like, what is it? What is it? What is it? You need to start dyeing your hair. You are way too young to have white hair, that color, and if you dyed your hair black, you would reach more people in your church. And I'm like, you remember that? And I looked at him, I'm like, bro, that ain't going to happen. This brother's not dyeing his hair, number one. Number two, I'm all right with this snow crop up top because it shows that I've got a little bit of experience. And Proverbs says, I got to go all spiritual, right? Proverbs says that a white-haired man, there's wisdom in that. But you know what? But you know what I didn't like about it? Somebody was telling me something I didn't want to hear. And I disagree with them. I think I have awesome hair, you know? I'm just glad I have hair. I don't, whatever, whatever. But the thing is, we don't, we just don't like people telling us some things sometimes about ourselves. Whether it's true or not true, especially when the spirit is not what it ought to be. And here's the thing, guys and ladies, raising our kids, right, when we're having those teachable moments, man, they're, they're just like daily, aren't they daily all the time? My granddaughter was in my office this morning. We were talking about some stuff, and she asked me a question. I said, well, you know, we got to do, you know, and I was giving her a little bit of instruction as being part of her community that's raising her and just talking to her about some things. And she said to me, yeah, Pop, you always say stuff like that. I'm okay with that because I'm going to tell you something she, she also knows. I'd lay my life down for her. Like you have to earn the right to teach your kids things sometimes. Because if your whole life is about you and you're not teachable, guess what's going to happen with your kids? They're not going to be teachable because they are following our example. So when God does something in your life or, or maybe you have a maybe an aha moment in your personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. It feels like we're letting our guard down if we become vulnerable with our family and say, hey, man let, me, man, let me tell you something God's been doing in my life, and I need to make something right with you. I'm really sorry I said this the way that I did. Or I'm really sorry that, that I didn't do this better than I did. I'm going to tell you something, guys, as, from personal experience, and you know this as well, it's hard to apologize to your kids. But I know this for sure. Sometimes the lessons your kids will learn from you, they'll remember more from your humility than they will from your anger. Got really quiet. Okay. Humility. Number four, presence. I don't think this is a hard thing to understand. Ephesians 6, 4 says, don't provoke, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, 
but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know what it means? It means we gotta be there, right? And being present is hard. Because I know as, as, as a man with a full-time job and an awesome wife and four daughters and four son-in-laws and seven and a half grandchildren, you know, we, we're spinning plates all the time. I've got all kinds of things going on in my life. We've got all these things. And you know what's kind of hard for me to do sometimes is just to be present. Just to be there sitting with them and talking to them and being in the moment with them with my mind not on my work or with my mind not on my stuff or with my mind not on our finances and with my mind not on, like, just to be there and have a conversation with them. You know, it's something I, I, I learned this year tremendously when my father went home to be with the Lord. I miss that toast times of just having, not the big life lesson stuff, not like the huge sacrifices that I know my dad made for me. I just miss talking to him. I miss those moments that we would have over the phone or over a basketball game or over a football game where we would just have some simple conversation where he was interested in what was taking place in my life. Being present for your family, being present for people you care about, being present for your spouse, being present in people's lives that you have influence with will certainly make a tremendous lifelong, the last word is this, impact. Impact. Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. I, I love this verse. I, I claim this verse with people in this room that have kids with struggles. Because that verse is a hard thing to understand when you've raised your kids in church and they're in a time of their life where they kind of don't want anything to do with it, right? They're making up their own mind and it's really not their gig. But the promise isn't for that middle time. And it says, train up a child the way you should go. That's the time that you can control. This next phase of their life, you can't control. Because your kids are going to make up their own minds. They're going to do what they want to do. But here's the thing. The Bible's promise is this. If they learned it here foundationally, and even though they might have some lost boy years right here, the Bible says in the end, they're not going to depart from that foundation. I love that promise. I've grabbed onto that promise when we've had people in our lives that, 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 that we invested in at a young age that struggled and struggled and struggled. And here's some things I want you to pray about this morning with me. Some steps that maybe all of us can take in our lives as we consider these five words that uh, describe spiritual fatherhood. Uh, step number one may be part of your humbling or humility that God wants you to consider this morning is this, maybe you need to be discipled by somebody else that's spiritually stronger than you. Maybe you need to submit to some spiritual leadership in your life. Maybe you need somebody that could mentor you let me say something to all you old dudes in here that celebrate having gray hair like you just don't care like me, okay? You and I have a responsibility to train younger people. Married couples, you have a responsibility with younger married couples. Older dudes, you got a responsibility to train up younger guys. Experienced women, I'm not going to say older women, I'm not stupid, <laughs> right? But you have a responsibility to teach younger women in the church how to do life. And I'm not necessarily talking about how to be a Proverbs 31 woman, right? Or put on the whole armor of God. I'm just talking about life stuff. This is how you balance a checkbook. You gotta pay your bills, 
right? Be careful with debt. Be careful with this, right? And, and you know what's funny, guys? Oh, guys, you say amen to this after I say it because you know this is true. Isn't it amazing how we are really, really good at teaching what we've learned from the hard way? Don't do this. It was a terrible mistake I made in my life. I struggled with years in my early marriage with, with alcohol and some drugs a little bit. And when I talk to my kids about it, and when I talk to other people about it too, it's not from that pious standpoint that I'm a pastor and I know better than that. No, it almost destroyed and jacked up my life. And I want to tell you that because now I understand what the Bible says, and now I understand what the importance of having health, spiritual health, mental health, mental health and physical health, and being controlled by the Holy Spirit and not being controlled by substance, I could speak that because of my personal prison that I, that I broke out of. And younger guys need that from us. They long for that. I can tell you this, I've had lunch with some of our younger guys in our church over the past few months and had a phone call from a dear brother the other day and, and, and just some of the younger guys in our church. I had the best time uh, when I went to uh, Nick's life group, it was a bunch of guys that are all about 30 years old and under. And, we, and you know what's great? They started talking to me, and it was Tim Roden's fault. I just want you to know that, Sandy. They wanted to talk to me about sex. It was awesome. I was so happy to go there with them and leave them with some speechless moments. EJ, is it okay to say that, some speechless moments? And then I had to go home and tell my wife about it just to see if I needed to apologize or not, right? Because I want to make sure I was telling them the right stuff. But you know what it is? They were hungry. They wanted somebody that's been through some of that stuff to speak into them. And that's what we're supposed to be for the youngers in our church. That's what we're supposed to be for the next generation. Maybe you need to be discipled by a stronger man or stronger woman. Number two, maybe you feel called to do that in somebody's life. And I'm going to tell you something. If you think that you're going to stand out in the church lobby and just say, okay, I'm here and I'm available, you know what you got to do if you're going to, you're going to pour in the, you got to, you got to, you got to go get them. Jesus told the disciples to go out and be fishers of men. People are going to run up to you because you're successful or you're smart or you're good looking and have a good family and say, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, will you please teach me the ways of the Jedi? Please, 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 Obi-Wan Kenobi. They're not going to do that. But what they will do is respond if you start investing in them. And here's the other thing, too. Maybe they'll say no. Hey, Dawson, you want to go out to lunch this week? Eh, I got some things going on. Hey, hey, Ben, you want to go get, go get a burger this week? Eh, I don't know. Hey, Adriani, you want to go get some coffee? Yes. I'm going to go pour into that guy. Right? They're not going to say yes every time, but when God gives you those opportunities, man, you're going to do something great in somebody else's life. And here's the last thing. Do you understand today that you need to set an example by serving and leading, perhaps even in this church? That's what God's called us to do. Um, this is a courageous conversation because it kind of goes against the grain of what we're being taught in the world today. But I do understand this. When we embrace what the Word of God says and follow God's plan, guys, your homes will be different. Ladies and guys, your marriages will be different. Mentor potential people in this room. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe your kids live far away. I promise you, if you come up to me, hey, I want to be available and help some younger guys out, we'll get you connected to somebody that needs somebody pouring into them. And this is not a male-dominated message for guys only. Every single one of these principles is so true for all of our ladies investing in younger women in the church. We're called to lead, and we're called to have lives that deserved to be followed. 
Are you that kind of example today? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that um, for the great spiritual leadership demonstrated by so many in this room today. We had a great meeting this week with a lot of our leaders and just got to hear about some of the passions they have for our ministry and some things we could do better and some things that we can learn from in our church to be a better church for you because we want to reach more people. And I know as we reach more people, Father, in this community, that's going to give all of us responsibility to disciple. That's going to give all of us responsibility because the people are looking for answers. There's going to be some lives that come through the doors of this church that are messy. And they're not going to learn to be whole without whole people investing into them. Now, we believe in the Word of God. We believe in the life change potential that happens in people's lives when they accept Christ as Savior. We embrace and we submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but we know that you've called all of us to be your messengers. And people will come to you if we go get them and bring them and compel them to come into this place that your house would be full. Help us to lead our homes. Help us to lead our families. Help us to lead our church in a way that honors and glorifies Jesus Christ. Hey, I want to pray for you this morning, church. And while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, guys, specifically, I want to pray for you first because it's Father's Day. I wonder how many of you would say, you know, Pastor, please, God, just, Pastor, pray for me that I would be the spiritual leader that God's called me to be for my home, for my wife, for my kids, for people. So I, and maybe if you don't have a wife or maybe if you don't have any kids or kids that live nearby, maybe that God would use you to mentor or disciple or just pour into the life of somebody else. I want to be that spiritual father, spiritual example in somebody's life. Please pray for me that God would use me in that way. Is anybody like that this morning, guys? That you'll let, let, let me pray for you this morning. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How many would say, Pastor, pray for me and my family? We're not whole and we need healing. And I know that starts with us or me, but I could sure use a prayer in that area today. Anybody like that today? Just pray for us. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we can take all of our cares. I know sometimes even, Lord, when I'm praying, I kind of feel like, does this really matter to God? You told us to cast all your cares, all of our cares upon you because you care for us. So I thank you for that love and that personal care that you give us. First demonstrated by allowing your son to die on the cross so that we can have forgiveness of sins and have a relationship with you that lasts for all of eternity. I pray for men in this room that are leading their families. Help them to lead well. And Lord, leading means we're making course adjustments. Leading means we're humbling ourselves before you. Leading means that we're also teachable ourselves and growing so that we can grow others. And I pray that that's true about all the, the, the families in this room, all the men, all the couples, all the ladies as well. That you would use us, Father, to be men worthy of the calling, the calling of God to lead other people. I thank you for my dad. I thank you for the dads uh, represented in this room that have a great influence in their kids' lives. For fathers that have gone before us, Lord, that are with you today. We thank you for those that have had influence in our lives. Help us to carry that torch into the future that's been passed to us to lead well. I thank you for this church. I thank you for people that are that 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 are so generous and jump on board with all of the initiatives we have in our church. And I pray that this great opportunity we have this week with taking students to camp, that you would you would protect our students, 
you give them all a safe trip as they head down to Waxahachie tomorrow, Lord. Um, I pray that there would be good night's rest for everybody. I pray for the speaking that's going to take place this week, that it would be just anointed and, and driven by, by the prompting of your Holy Spirit, that you would use those men to encourage our students and help them to find and follow Jesus and be the young men and young women that you've called them to be. Uh, thank you for people that care for students that are going to be able to have this amazing trip this week. And we look forward to celebrating over the next few Sundays what you did uh, this week. We love you and we thank you and we honor you. And we pray that everything we said today was uh, honoring and glorifying to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said it with me.